down, Jerry. <laughs> now, now you can stand. Everyone stand, please, and we'll see. Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. <laughs> Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for laughter. Thank you for friends. Thank you for family. Uh, God, thank you for this life that you blessed us with. Uh, Lord, thank you for the freedom that we have to come here and, and loudly proclaim we love you. Jesus and I pray. Amen. I thought I was getting in trouble when he said sit down. It felt like grade school all over again. Family, I'm glad you're here. Um, I know that the, the houses were warm and the beds were toasty, and you got out and you braved this very cold morning to worship together, so I'm glad you're here. Hey, if you are watching online, I know you did not brave the cold morning, but we're still glad you're here. Um, let's take just a minute, two or three, let's say some hellos, and let's get right back into worshiping.
term yet? Let me ask you a question. You can, you can nod your head yes, you can nod your head no, if, because I was embarrassed. This is our fifth and final week we've been doing this Dark Horse series, and a lot of you have been with us all five weeks. If I did a quick survey, could you tell me all five of the Dark Horse leaders that we talked about without looking at your notes? Because I couldn't. I was thinking about it, and I remember Deborah. I, I spoke on Deborah. And I remember Lydia, and then I remember the thief on the cross, but I could not, for the life of me, remember King Josiah. I don't know why, but I had to actually look it up. I was just curious if anyone else could actually think of the rest of them without, you know, cheating and looking at notes. Um, today we're going to be talking about our, our final uh, dark horse, and, and if you've ever been around parents with kids, you probably heard that old saying, you have to eat your Brussels sprouts before you get 
dot, dot, dot. And it's usually cake or pie. And it's not always necessarily Brussels sprouts. Maybe it's broccoli or I don't know what the, the food is that that particular kid doesn't like green beans. I hated peas. There was always, you have to eat your, your Brussels sprouts to get the... And really when you have cake in front of a kid, it doesn't matter what the food is, it's, it's Brussels sprouts. It could be something delicious, but if there's cake in front of that child, it's going to be not so good looking. And I want to be honest with you, family. Last week was my Brussels sprouts. You know, we talked, we talked about the thief on the cross, and I was excited about it. But today is my, my cake. I have been looking forward to discussing John Mark for weeks. I have been anticipating it and laughing because here's my problem, and maybe you're with me, maybe you're not. When we read through Scripture, there's oftentimes we, we talk about our heroes, heroes in Scripture, and I look at them and go, I, I don't really relate. You know, we talk about King David, and here he is, a young man. He goes out to the battlefield, and a giant is taunting him. A giant who's seen battle is mocking the Israelites. And what does David do? Who's going to fight him? I'll go out. I look at that and go, mm, not, not me. Not, not me. The, the initial fight or flight response and human behavior, um, I don't have fight, I have flight. If I was King David, I would have ran. Other direction. Or we read about Samuel, and Samuel's laying in bed at night, and he says he hears a voice calling him, and he runs in the other room and says, It's, it's me, Lord. What, what do you need? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't look at that passage and go, Oh, that's sweet. Here's a young man. He's laying in bed. He hears a voice. He goes into the room, thinks it's the, the prophet calling him. I'm going to be honest, family. If I'm laying in bed in the middle of the night and I hear a voice, I'll see you later, family. I'm gone. I am gone. Or I, I hear about Elijah, and, and here's Elijah, and he's trying to be a prophet, and he's trying to teach about God, and, and he's got crazy Jezebel coming after him, trying to kill him, and he's, she's killed a whole bunch of other prophets. I'm sorry, um, I'm gone. That's, that's just my initial reaction to run in turmoil is so strong. And maybe in a mile or two, I'll slow down, and, and I'll catch my wits, but this Today, family, today is, today is the day. I have found someone in Scripture that I can relate to. We're going to be in Acts chapter 15. Now, we're going to do just a little bit of page turning, but it's not much. We're going to be in Acts chapter 15, and there is some really, some really, uh, man, I'm telling you, these, uh, I am so excited. In my notes, I have slow written all over the place, because when I get really excited, I talk faster and faster and faster. It's going to be a struggle. Acts chapter 15 we're going to be in verse 36, and we're going to read a little bit. I'll give you just a second to get there. All right. Can't wait anymore. Verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought not best to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. There's only, only a little bit here about John Mark, but what we see here clearly 
is Barnabas and Paul were going to go back to the cities they'd ministered to. We know this. And Barnabas said, I want to take John Mark. And Paul said, I don't want to take John Mark because of this. Now we're going to have to, we're going to, have to turn back. Now we're going to go back to Acts chapter 13. And we're going to read a little bit here because we have to get the full picture. Now we're going to skip just a little bit ahead. We're going to look at verse 13. It says, Now Paul and his companions set sail for Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. Here's the words. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. See, it, it seems like a minor situation here. They're on this missionary journey, and in the middle of the missionary journey, John Mark goes home. My man. My man, John Mark, right there. And really when we look at that, it brings us to the very earliest thing. Is when we deal with service, there is expectations versus reality. And I, I personally really relate to John Mark because here's John Mark, he's a helper. And he's going with this super believer, this super evangelist, Paul. And he's going on his very first missionary journey. And they're out and if you just skip up just a few more verses, we won't look at it. I want you to look at that when you get home. They're doing their ministry, they're serving, and there is only one recorded conversion. One. Let that, let that sink in for a little bit, family. Here's Paul, who a man is on fire for Jesus. They're doing their very first ministry. He's got Barnabas with them. They got this young man, John Mark, and they're preaching and one person is recorded in that chapter as being converted, one. And John Mark goes home. Now there's some debate about really what happened with John Mark. Some said, oh well, I believe that John Mark had a sickness or a family sickness, that's why he left. But if that's the case, why would Paul be so upset that Barnabas said, let's take John Mark with us again? They wouldn't, they would say it was a sickness, he went home, took care of something, he came back. I don't, I don't believe it was sickness. Some believe there was a theological debate between should we be preaching to the Gentiles over the Jews? Some thought that John Mark and Paul did not see eye to eye on circumcision. It, it doesn't really matter. What matters is something happened here that caused John Mark to go home. And what it is, is I think that one recorded conversion opened John Mark's eyes. I think John Mark went on this missionary journey and had an expectation and then reality hit. And that, family, is something else. Because oftentimes in churches, we have this idea, and I, I don't really know where it came from, we have this idea that when someone says, I'm going to volunteer, or I'm going to take over this ministry, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, they believe that since they are volunteering for this mission, this missionary trip, this challenge, whatever it is you call it, they believe that since they are going to serve God, whatever it is they're doing, smooth sailing. And then reality hits. More times than I can count, someone has been talking with me in my office and they'll, and they'll get that, that sheepish look and they're involved in a, in a mission or a ministry or a service activity and they get that look on their eyes and they go, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. And they have that look and you know what that look is. They, they don't want to say it, but what they expected that they were going to be doing is not at all what they are actually involved with. And they say, I, I want to back out. 
right? I'm going to change. I'm going to do something else. And, and we can kind of giggle about that and say, oh, that's, that's silly. Oh, you know, ministry's hard. But most of us have fallen prey to this. See, we sit here in church and we go, oh, yeah, ministry's hard. And we say that, but I think a lot of us don't really believe it on the inside. We say, oh, this is going to be a real struggle. But when we get involved and we're in the muck and the dirt and the struggle and the hurt and the heartache, we go, oh, this isn't what I expected. Probably, if you ask my, my wife, probably one of the most common phrases that she has heard about the church and me and our millions of years of, of wedding bliss is they didn't teach this to me in Bible college. That's probably one of my, my that's, probably my number one saying is I didn't learn about this in Bible college and the second one and she hears this a lot is I don't know if I can do this forever I don't don't know if I can do this forever and people get involved in ministry and we do it all the time we have this idea that once we're ministering once we're serving once we're preaching once we're teaching everything is going to be smooth sailing the heartache's gone the heartbreak's gone no one's going to be angry at us. No one. No one's going to do weird things. I remember one time, and when you're involved in ministry, especially a larger ministry, you, you get your, your fingers in all sorts of little things. You know, you're not involved just in the church. When you start serving God, you're not just serving with First Christian Church. You have all other these organizations that you look at and say, this is a really good organization. I'm going to be tied in with this. I'm going to serve here too. And so as we serve more, we get our fingers in other things. I remember there was one time, I, I, believe, I believe we lost seven people to death within, I don't know, two months. Seven people. And it wasn't just seven people. It was seven people I loved dearly. Like, I, I really liked them. And we, I kept telling my wife, I'm like, man, I feel like death is haunting me. I feel like it's just chasing me around, and anyone I start to love and really, really enjoy serving with, death takes them. And I, I said to myself, Bible college didn't prepare me for this. And I like John Mark. Why do I like John Mark? What's that old saying? When the going gets tough, the tough gets... See, I've heard that before, but I, I think we're missing a word. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going home. Because how many times in life, in service, in ministry, in this life that we're trying to serve God, do we simply say, man, I want to go home. I want to pack it up. I'm going to move home. The world's cold. The world's mean. People are mean. People are hurting. Sometimes people don't even know that they're hurting and they're hurting. And you know what? Home is safe. Home is safe. Home is comfortable. I'm going to point this out to this church. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything snide here. I'm going to point this out that we had Paul, we had Barnabas, and we had John Mark. Three people who are on fire for Jesus Christ. On fire. Ready to leave their home. And the very first stop they're, they're doing here, only one person is recorded listening. Only one person at that point in time is, is recorded following and saying, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. And I, I think oftentimes churches, church, hear me out, I believe we do this to ourselves. We build up expectations of what we think is going to be accomplished. And when things aren't accomplished, we get upset. 
And I'm going to tell you, if Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark can have some rough ministry, Family First Christian Church can too. And what's ironic, and I know you know this because we have historical evidence. See, they might have only seen one recorded conversion there, but things were moving. Things were changing. So we don't know how long it took people to say, okay, I, I, I can see what's going on. We don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes, but we do know at that point in time, we had these three super believers, these three just on fire for, for Jesus, and they had a rough go of it. We're going to have some rough go of the two. Because we don't always know what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years down the, down the road. We just don't know. And so I, I want to point this out because sometimes expectations don't always meet reality. Church work is messy, family. Evangelism is messy. Reaching the hurt is messy. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's a struggle. All right, we're going to move on. To one more. Now we're going to go back to Acts chapter 15. Let's read that, that passage again, and, and I, wanted to, I wanted to set in here. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn, withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them in the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other, Barnabas took Paul or took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas. I'm going to want you to think about that just for a second. There arose a sharp disagreement. This, this leads us to the second point, and, and I wish I could. I wish I could almost preach this every single week. I was here. Believers do have disagreements. Believers will have some arguments. I, I don't know where people got this preconceived notion that no one in church argues. I, I, I honestly don't know where it came from. And I don't know where it came from. So when, when people come to church and they'll see some believers disagreeing or, or maybe even having a sharp disagreement, and someone goes, oh, I can't believe it. it. It's not saying you don't have faith in Jesus it's saying you have two passionate people who are not seeing eye to eye. Believers do have disagreements. And here's, here's my, my, my thought process, and you can think with me if you want. Paul and Barnabas were arguing about taking John Mark. One wanted John, the other didn't. I've always wondered, do you think John Mark knew? I wonder that. Do you, do you think John Mark was, was around enough to know that he caused Paul and Barnabas to separate? How awkward would that be? It's like if you're sitting here in church and the person in front of you is arguing, should I invite that person behind me to my birthday party? One says yes, one says no. I'm going to tell you if that's me, I don't want to go. If there is a big disagreement because two people, one wants to take me, one doesn't, that's going to hurt my feelings. I wonder, does John Mark know? We've always thought about that. Does, does John know that, that Barnabas was arguing on his behalf that he wanted him while Paul said, nope, don't want him? I, I always want to know that. Just makes me curious. The difference is here. Look at, look at the words again. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. 
am I, am I missing something, family? Now, I've, I've studied these, these words here. I have missed the spot where Paul swore and cursed at Barnabas, and I don't see where Barnabas threatened to beat Paul up because they didn't see eye to eye. Did you, do you see that in the, in the words? I, I don't see it. There, that's the difference. That's the difference right there between their disagreement and many of our disagreements. Because now, when churches disagree, it's no longer saying, hey, we both have this passion about reaching Jesus for people. How are we going to do it? Now it's, it's either my way or I'm going to burn this church to the ground. And if you don't see my way, I'm going to call you every name in the book. I'm going to insult your family. I'm going to find every piece of mud on you I can possibly find, and I'm going to share it. You see the difference there? See, believers do have disagreements. Believers will have disagreements. If I was going to interview the church and I asked the question, I would say, tell me about the last disagreement the church leadership team has had. If they would look at me and said, we haven't had one in 20 years, that to me is a big red flag. Huge red flag to me. That's kind of like sometimes in our, in our kids' programs. Frequently, we don't have parents involved in our kids' programs because I want the kids to feel like they can, they can say whatever they want. And oftentimes, kids will come and they'll say, one of my prayer requests is, is Jerry, mom and dad are fighting. And I'll look at the kids and I'll say, not all arguments are bad. Not all people disagreeing is bad. I said, what you really need to be worried about is when they don't argue about anything ever. That means oftentimes they simply stopped caring. In the same way in churches, a church that never, ever, ever has a disagreement, to me, could be an indication that the whole entire congregation is lethargic. It's like the husband and wife. We know, we know the old jokes about it. The husband goes to the wife, hey, where do you want to eat, honey? And the wife says, oh, I don't care, wherever you want. And the husband chooses a place, and you know what the wife's going to say. Oh, not there. Not there. So the husband chooses the second restaurant, and the wife goes, oh, no, 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 not, not there, not there. I don't, I don't really feel like that. And we know, we know that, that, you know, it's just a, a silly joke. And then the, the husband will get mad and say, well, where do you want to go? And see, we see that in churches. When there is never a disagreement about anything ever, it's often because the people just simply don't care. It's just like I tell the children, when there is never, ever, ever, ever a disagreement in your house, sometimes it means one of the, the, the parents just stopped caring. So arguments are not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily the, the end of the world. And a church that is arguing is not necessarily the end of the world. It means two people want to reach the world for Jesus Christ and they're butting heads on how to do it. That shows passion. What we have to do is we have to figure out how to do that and we have to figure out how to do it in a Christian manner. And we have to figure out how to have disagreements without burning down the building. I'll, I'll give you an example, because some of you know. Churches should have dis disagreements. I, I, I've had some disagreements in First Christian Church. I know it's shocking. I know it's, it's stunning. I'll give you, I'll give you the, mo the most recent one, probably, is, is those drums right back there. I don't know, was it a year ago? Time flies. Maybe two years um, Jeff and some of the musicians said, hey, we want these electric drums. It's really going to help the worship service. And they presented the idea to the leadership team. And in my head, 
I said, that is a terrible idea. Terrible. But I didn't say anything out loud because that is not my area of expertise. Not a bit. So I just bit my tongue. I said, that's a terrible idea inside. And then the first week showed up and they were playing. And I said to myself, I am wrong. That is a tremendous idea. The music sounds so much better. I don't want to hear bong, 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 you know, ricocheting in my head. I'm really glad we got these. Now, if I would have opened my mouth and started yelling and yelling and calling names and disagreeing with the way the world does, what would I have done when I was here and I was wrong about those drums? I either apologize and admit I'm wrong, which I never want to do, or I double down and hook my teeth in even deeper and really dig in, dig in deep. See, I, I believe churches can and will have disagreements. I believe we're going to disagree sometimes on how to use resources to reach the world, on ways to reach the world, on methods to reach the world, on who to partner with with reaching the world, but we've got to do it in a Christian manner where we're not screaming and yelling and cursing and flinging mud and threatening and all the things the world does, we can have a disagreement and move forward. And it's important because if any of you know what you're going to by the end of the day, the story of John Mark, you're going to know why that's important. All right, last one. Let's read it one more time. You can close your Bibles up or you can, you can turn with me some more. I'll, I'll read them out either way. Let's read one more time. Acts 15 but this time, we're just going to read just from 39. Yeah, I think that's, that's 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Now, if we didn't have our, our history, we would look at this and say, they disagreed, they went their own ways, they continued preaching Jesus, it's beautiful. If we didn't have our history correct, that's where we'd leave this. But that is not the problem, because here's where it leads us, and this is the, the most important thing, and, and I, really, I really tie myself into John Mark because of this, because your past doesn't always indicate your future. John Mark did exactly what I would have done. When the t going gets tough, the tough's going home. But his fleeing the ministry, for whatever reason it was, does not properly indicate what his future was going to be like. And I, man, I, I love that so much. Because sometime later, we see that, that Paul wrote in Philemon chapter 1, verse 24, he calls John Mark a fellow worker. Not just that guy that went with us. Because at this point in time, it would have been Paul and Barnabas and John Mark would have pretty closely resembled like an assistant, someone that was there to help. Not necessarily as on the same playing field as Paul and Barnabas, but he would have been someone there to help. But now in Philemon chapter 1, verse 24, what does Paul call him? John Mark, a fellow worker. It's no longer that guy who quit it's no longer the man that ran from us. It's no longer the one that caused me and Barnabas to split. It's no longer that individual who had a tough ministry and went home. It's not him anymore. It's a fellow worker. 
And then after that, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, and this is, this is interesting, Paul sends a request to Timothy from a Roman prison, and he said, get John Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So John Mark went from the one who ran. John Mark was the one who went when the ministry wasn't going like they thought, and he went home for whatever reason. He went from the one who left, the one who abandoned them, the one who deserted him. He went from a fellow worker to please bring John Mark. He's useful to me. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, there is, there's really, in, in this passage of story, there's, there's three ways you can look at this. There's three ways you're either going to relate to someone, you're going to to probably relate to one of them. I relate to John Mark. I look at John Mark, and I I look at this passage, he's no longer the man that ran, he's no longer the abandoning person, he's no longer the one that left the ministry. Now he is the one who is useful to to Paul when Paul's stuck in prison. He said, bring John Mark. So either you're John Mark, and you are not determined by your past. If you relate to John Mark like I do, you can look at John Mark and say, yeah, I I, I ran when it was tough, but I'm here now. Yeah, I messed up in the past, but I didn't didn't let that completely destroy my future. Yeah, I I ran when it was difficult, but I got my head on tight and I went right back into it. You you can relate to John Mark like I do. I look at John Mark and go, "That's, that's me. Or you can look at it from Paul's perspective. You could look at it from Paul's perspective that someone around you has disappointed you, especially in church. I don't know why we as believers are stunned when a fellow believer disappoints us. We do. I don't know why we do, but it still, it, it still hurts us. We, we look at that person and say, we expected more of you. We thought they were deeper. or We thought they were, they were more mature. I can't believe it. We can look at them And we can relate to this in two directions. We either write them off forever as the person that ran, the person that messed up, the person that did not meet our expectations, or we can look at him as Paul and says, our fellow worker, the person that's useful to me. See, we can relate either to John Mark, we can relate to him either as, as Paul, or even better, we can relate to him as Barnabas does. We can look at someone and say, hey, you messed up. I'm willing to accept you right this very second. I, I don't need the time. I don't need to let you prove yourself. I don't need to let you do anything. I'm ready. I'm ready to take you in right now. We need more of that in the church. We need, we need more Barnabases in the church that said, you know what? Past is the past. Let's move forward. We've got a mission. We've got a goal. Let's get it going. And what's What's really interesting here, and this is just a complete side note because it's not able to be proven and verified, but many Christian historians believe that this Mark that we're looking at now, this John Mark, is who is referred to in history as Mark the Evangelist. They believe, many of them believe, that this John Mark is the interpreter of Peter, and Peter had John Mark write the book of Mark. They also believe that this Mark, the evangelist, is the same John Mark we're talking about. He is the one that was first sent to Egypt. He is the one that first brought the gospel of Jesus Christ into the continent of Africa. He is the one that started the very first church in Alexandria. It was monumental. They believe it's that same John Mark. 
And I believe, I believe that's the same John Mark as John Mark is Mark the evangelist written about in other histories. And I believe if it wasn't for Barnabas saying, you're coming with me, even when everyone else dismisses you, you're coming with me. I believe if it wasn't for a Barnabas, I believe the Christian church would have lost an incredible, incredible evangelist. And I believe personally, not scriptural, I believe that Barnabas made it possible to empower John Mark to do what Mark the evangelist did in history. We need more of that. We need more of people that are going to come along behind someone and say, I'm going to put my back to the fire so you don't get burned. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to block you. Paul is upset with you. I'm going to come right in between you two, and we're going to serve. I believe Barnabas took the heat for John Mark's disappearance. And I believe Mark the Evangelist would not have been Mark the Evangelist if it wasn't for Barnabas coming and saying, you're still worthwhile. You left, you're not done. We need more of that in this church. And you know who that is? That's you. That's you. That's me. To look at someone and say, you might have messed up in the past, you still have value. And that's what Jesus does. I believe Jesus does that to us all the time. They look at, Jesus looks at people and says, I know your past, I know what you've done, but you're still so valuable, I'm gonna die on the cross for you. And as our praise team comes up to lead us in the song of decision, if you have not accepted that gift of forgiveness that Jesus has offered because he believes we're valuable, I'm gonna say today is the day, come on forward. Hey, if you're watching online, you wanna make a, a decision for Jesus, get a hold of the office, uh, we'll make a schedule, we'll, we'll work it out, it'll be perfect. Uh, maybe you're having a rough day, you want some prayers, uh, come on down, I'll be up here, Roger will be there. Uh, us in the congregation and online, if you want, when you fill out your connection card, you can put your prayer requests there. We see them, we pray about them, we look them over, we think about them. If it's confidential, please mark it. Or if you're a baptized believer, you want to be part of First Christian's home and family, come on down, we'll welcome you with open arms. Let's stand as we get ready to sing.
Good morning. Notice how brisk it was? Woke us up when we got out. And now I'm going to ask you to listen just a little bit more. And I'm going to be talking about something that bothered me this week. If you'll notice that the media hits you between the eyes when they want something, so they try to determine what's more important. News, for instance. It had so happened that I was listening to the Palestinian plea for, quote, peace, and uh, I was listening to them and really taken back with, uh, of course, I do have a little bit of a leaning there to begin with, in a certain way. By the way, Jerry, thank you for guiding us some more. Because guidance is something this old man needs a lot of. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm troubled quite often. But I have heroes. For instance, today, one of my heroes, I'm going to use his biblical guidance is a man named Moses. I always kind of felt bad about Moses. As hard as he worked, 
He couldn't go with the rest. He had to wait. But then, one day, I was reading in the New Testament, and I said, you know, Jesus came for Moses too. So he's all right. Got nothing to worry about. So uh, then we're setting it. During this communion, we're going to hear about the faith statement that Moses gave to everyone gathered here. The guidance and direction is terrific. So we're going to talk about Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy 32, 3 through 4. And it reads as follows. Remember now, Moses, like you, when we're inspired, speak through strength. And there's only one place that strength comes from, the Lord God. So here we go. This is the NIV version. I will proclaim the greatness of our God. Oh, praise the greatness of God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and he is just. When you hear these words, we know that it is true for the one thing that our God never does to you, I, or any person is lie. So he's perfect in every way. Please think about this a little when you are meditating during your communion part of the service. Let us pray. Let us reach out to you, O Lord. Give us the strength to hear when you have your words from the Bible direction that guides us and pursues us not only during the church but all during the week when we have a problem if we go back and regress to our issue and then consult the words that you have had written for us. Let us move forward in love, faith, and understanding. We ask that this prayer be received and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
if you have your bulletins, it's, it's a busy week here. Um, so there's, there's no kids stuff tonight. That won't apply to most of you. I don't think you show up. But there is Roger's Life Group. Today, also, that's not on the list, from 1 to 4 at the VFW is the party for the Santa at West End. So 1 to 4 at VFW. Of course, there's Tuesday. There's um, the LOL group. Uh, no adult Bible study this Wednesday, but there is teen. Um, Thursday, Alberta's Life Group. And of course, Friday at 10 a.m., we're doing the church decoration. So 10 a.m., if you want to help decorate the church, please, we could, we could use your help. 10 a.m. here. Saturday is the, um, the men's pancake breakfast. And also at 2 o'clock is a bridal shower for Kelly. So you'll, you'll see it there. And of course, on the other side, you're going to note a few other things going on. We do have our nominations going on. Uh, now is the time if you have a scriptural objection to apply those and, and do that properly. But you'll see all the stuff there. And our prayers, there's a praise that Wachuca Hospitality House has moved to a new home just in time for the holidays. And their address is there, that is a praise. We'll keep our nation and our, our world in prayers. Uh, some of our health concerns, it's, it's nice to see a few of our, our health concerns here with us worshiping. And I'm glad they're, they're glad they're here. We'll continue to pray for them. Please take this home. Pray for them during the week. That's what Christian brothers and sisters do. Um, pray for our deployed troops, those who have ties to First Christian Church, and, and of course our shut-ins. I say it all the time, but if you have time, give them a call, send them a note, send them a visit. They'd appreciate it. Our outreach that we're focusing on this, this month is Operation Christmas Child. The time is coming soon. You've got to get your boxes in soon. Um, but you know we have people, what's ironic here is we've had people that actually told the church they missed the date to get their box in, so they just got rid of them. I'm like, don't do that. I'm like, bring it in. We can hold them. Even if you miss that day, don't get rid of your box. We'll, we'll figure something out. So that's, that's that. But you'll see our, our praises there. What we'll do is, is we'll, we'll stand. Uh, we'll have a few minutes to quiet prayer, and then I'll close us with prayer. We'll have a song, and we'll face the world. Let's, let's stand together. Lord, thank you for loving us. Uh, thank you for letting us know you. Uh, thank you for letting us understand you just a bit better through scriptures. Uh, Lord, I ask you to, uh, to bless these people, uh, especially as we walk out of this building and we face the world. Lord, will you give us the courage and the, the ability to live the life that you want us to live? Lord, will you help us be the people that you want us to be, to say the words you want us to say, to, to live and act the way you want us to live and act? Lord, I ask you if it's your will, will you put someone in our path this week that needs to hear about you? Will you give us the courage for us to tell them about you and invite them to church? Uh, Lord, I ask you for safety and health and healing for those who are hurting. Lord, I ask you to look out for our world, bless it, and allow us to be the light to this, this world as, as so many people and so many issues have so much struggles. Lord, allow us to, to reflect your love and your glory to them. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Thank you for joining us for church this morning. Have a great week in the Lord, everybody.